Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you for who you are. And we thank you that you invite us to enter into this season of Lent, to be drawn near to Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you draw us out into a desert with our name on it, a special journey that is ours. Lord, help us to realize just how personal Lent can be. This Lent can be in our own spiritual lives. Lord our God, we know we need to love you more. We know that we fall short. And Lord, help us to um, not be caught off guard by this season, but uh, be ready to enter into it in, in surprising ways, in unexpected ways, in accord with your will, in accord with your plan for this Lenten season. Lord our God, please use this season to cleanse us and purify us, to shape us and mold us, to help us grow in holiness and make us more fit for mission. And Lord, I I'd ask that you would um, gently reveal to us those places in our lives where you intend to work, where you intend to set free and make new. Purify our intentions, Lord. Help us to enter into this with the right spirit, with the humble spirit, and a ready spirit. Lord, give us the grace to do something difficult out of love for you. Lord, we say yes in advance to all that you ask of us. We're ready. Lord, even when we know that there are parts of our lives and our hearts that are not ready, we still say we are ready in the hopes that you will use those words as a doorway to enter into those unready places in our lives, those places that hold back, that fall short, that settle for less. Lord, we say we are ready in the hopes that you'll enter into those dark places in our lives that we are aware of or not aware of. We ask that you'd shine a bright light to heal and cleanse, to purify and renew to restore, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gosh, I felt there, I I felt like I wasn't in a hurry. Just when I was praying there, I just sort of felt a call to linger in that opening prayer and just sort of waited for the different sort of aspects of the prayer to unfold. Um, and I think in some ways that that's like a Lenten thing, right? A Lenten reality. Uh, today on Sound Insight, I'm going to begin the journey that we make together in the course of Lent uh, on Sound Insight. Obviously, we're not together every day of the week, but for five days of the week, uh, I'm with you and walking with you. And I will be open and honest to share the the journey that I'm making, that my family's making. Uh, when Carrie's on, you'll hear uh, some of her side of the story, and um, be able to you know, sort of share the the victories, but also um, sort of reflect on the places where we we end up being defeated, <laughs> or things that just are end up being very humbling. So uh, I do look forward to uh, sharing that with you in a way that's open and honest, that is 
um, hopefully appropriately transparent and authentic uh, in a way that doesn't say, I've got it all together and you guys are just figuring it out. (laughs) I hope you don't get that sense in listening to this program. Well, uh, just yesterday... I believe it or not. Well, actually, this is this is Ash Wednesday. It was on Monday. Carrie came to me and said, Tom, Sister Miriam James Heidland, whom you know, uh, she did a program, a number of programs. I don't know. It's, I think Ron sent me a message saying it was like 70 programs or something like that with Pam Gunderson. Uh, I think it was called Sisters in Christ um, for, I don't know, it was a couple of years uh, they were doing these programs and sort of sharing a, a sort of walk in faith. So Sister Miriam James Hydland was uh, first, she was so, she's sort of from us. <laughs> she was first with us when she um, uh, kind of then got shifted into another ministry that has led her away from uh, this area and um, uh, has given her a much broader, uh, a much broader um, audience, especially at conferences. I think she speaks a lot to young people. But a, a big theme of hers is healing. And Carrie pointed out this uh, resource called Restore. And you're going to hear about it in the interview. It's Daily Reflections. If you're looking for a daily reader, a daily ref- reflection for Lent, this this is put this one on your list. It's from Ave Maria Press. I'm going to mention that several times in the course of the interview. Ave Maria Press dot com where you'll hear about daily meditations it's a journal it often uh, it involves a reflection that sister miriam writes based on a scripture or an inspiring text and then there's a, a space to journal right in the in the book online at ave maria press you'll also have access to video reflections that sister will be doing on a weekly basis to complement and supplement what you get in the book restore but what she does in this book is unfolds a whole new way of seeing the reality of Lent. But don't let me tell you about it. Let's go to the interview and let's let her tell you about it right now. And I'll be back at the end of the program. Well, let me welcome to the program, Sister Miriam James Hydland. Sister Miriam, it's great to see you. Oh, it's good uh, to see you too. It's been time. a long time. Yeah, I know. It, it, I knew you before you really became famous. Uh, <laughs> A celebrity Catholic, famous, but like <laughs> sister, come on, a celebrity Catholic. Did you ever oh, wonder, right? God like, help us all. God yeah. help us all. No, actually, you know what? It was um, when I first was in Seattle, when you know, I lived in Seattle many years ago, I moved there in 2004. And just, I think it was an interview with Sacred Heart Radio. That was, they people just asked me to share my story. And that was kind of where the Lord, the Lord really began to open doors to just to speak to people's hearts. And so it's been it's been a long journey and yeah, and here we are. So I'm so, delighted. So do you remember when we did that thing around the fire pit? Uh, it was out, uh, we had a bunch of young people around and you shared mm. a story and it was, I think. It was oh my gosh. Yes. Remember that? I haven't that thought about that forever. Ago. Yeah. That's and so great. Uh, I loved it because it gave you a chance to, again, to open your heart, share your yeah. story. And in doing that, you were welcoming these young people to open themselves, to allow the Lord to come close to them with his loving heart, with his tender mercy. Yeah. It was very beautiful. And, and I know that it was, uh, you know, the, the compelling power of a testimony that mm-hmm. has such impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm thrilled because that is in so many ways, what you've done with your new guided Lent journal for prayer and meditation called Restore. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thrilled to have you on, on Ash Wednesday of all days. <laughs> yeah. This is a great gift for folks to be able to um, access. So I've been talking with folks for now almost a week on the program. What are you doing for Lent? What are you doing for Lent? And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, Restore shows up and it's mm-hmm. like, yes, this is something that I want our listeners to be able to learn about, to access, because they can access it in a digital form today mm-hmm. as they're starting Lent. And the, and there are digital aspects of this, videos that you have, um, but then there's also the paper form. And we're mm-hmm. going to point people to AveMariaPress.com, AveMariaPress.com during the interview so that folks can learn more about it. So let's just mm-hmm. start. Um, among all the things that people think about regarding Lent, and if they associate it with a word, the word that's not coming to mind is restore. So (laughs) help us understand how restore is a beautiful, powerful, and appropriate word for folks on a Lenten journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I I love that you made that point because I think all of us have different ideas of what Lent is. And I grew up Catholic and we did, of course, you know, we, we went to mass and we go, we do the Lent thing. We go sweets, you know, some people give up whatever that is for them. And we think that's really kind of the extent of it. And we just kind of do our Lenten thing and we kind of white knuckle it when it gets really hard and we'll fail a few times and we'll like give up our Cheetos again. And then we'll try again. And then maybe we'll eat a lot on on all of our fish fries on Friday, you know, and then we'll like on Easter Sunday, it's kind of like, well, then the Easter bunny comes and Jesus rides from the dead. And then the next day people People move on, you know, and I didn't know, like, I did not know growing up in the Catholic church. I didn't know that actually the way that the church invites us into Lent through the disciplines of prayer, fasting and almsgiving are actually the direct avenues of healing for where our hearts are broken. I had no idea. And when I learned that it profoundly changed how I encountered Lent. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, as you know, very well, like, we you know, we talk about the sacred scripture and, and Adam and Eve in the garden. And when their relationship with God is ruptured out of their own free will, their own decision at that moment of rupture, their relationships are, are broken and they're broken with God within themselves and with each other. And from that moment on, God has been working to restore, which means to bring back that relationship of intimacy and communion. And so what the church is inviting us on for Lent is actually through the disciplines of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. These are the very means of healing in our life where Jesus wants to bring us in a wholeness and communion with him so that on Easter Sunday, we are not the same as we were on Ash Wednesday. Sister, you're, you're talking about this in, in a way that's so powerful. When I heard you on another podcast talk about this, you associated prayer, fasting, and almsgiving mm-hmm. with the word healing. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it's a dimension of salvation that Catholics are not that good at, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus comes as Savior, and we tend to think of Savior as he's saving me from the bondage of sin and ultimately from hell and opens the door to heaven. And that's true, and it's the ultimate ultimate meaning of salvation. But salvation also means healing and wholeness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those dimensions of salvation, to, to imagine, now dear listeners, hear this. What Sister Miriam is saying is that this Lent just might be a moment where the Lord is inviting you to allow him to come close and in in accord with Lent, bring healing into your relationships with him, with yourself, with others, and, and, and to be amazed at how he wants to restore, how he wants to bring life and set free. So Mm -hmm. sister Miriam, 
let's let's explore what that looks like. Let's explore healing. Um, and let's start with let's let's start with self and then move to others and then ultimately let's talk about healing in our relationship with God, unless you want to take it in a different uh, order. But mm-hmm. when people think like people who are here listening, um, how many of those folks who are listening are struggling with a need to be healed that they're not even aware of, that they don't yeah. even, they're, they're bound up in ways they're not even aware that the Lord wants to come in this land, give them a gift of healing. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great point, Tom. And I, I think a lot of us have just like we do with Lent, have an idea of what healing means. And for some of us, it means fixing. Like we think somehow Jesus wants to come and fix us. And we have some ideas of how we need to be fixed. And some other people in our life, if God could fix them, thank you very much. My, my life would be better. And what we don't understand is that Jesus Christ does not come to fix us. Jesus Christ is not here to fix you. You're not a problem to be fixed. Jesus Christ comes to bring us into wholeness and communion. And this is the Trinity. Like this is wholeness and communion. This is the life of the Trinity. Our faith is so beautiful. It is so stunningly beautiful. And the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of who we are and how he is bringing back these relationships and repairing them and making them even more glorious. It's not just a return to the garden with Adam and Eve. It's, re- it's, a, it's an entrance to the garden with Jesus at, at the end. You know, the revelation ends up the garden as well, a wedding and a feast. And, and so a lot of us don't really understand that. Or we think, oh, those people over there, they need to be healed, but I'm fine. Thank you very much. Or we kind of associate healing with a kind of a fringe movement of the Catholic church. Like, oh, that was in the seventies when you guys prayed for healing. John or uh, Pope Benedict in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, actually, when understood at a sufficiently deep level, healing expresses the entire content of redemption. Hmm. Healing expresses the entire content of redemption, which is a staggering statement to make. But if you take it apart and if redemption is the, the buying back of the human person, when Jesus comes to recapitulate everything, when Jesus comes to reconcile everything to the father, that means he's reconciling everything in you and I that's fragmented mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually, how we're broken, how we're fragmented, how we're ruptured. That means if that's true, he, it means he's coming to bring every single aspect of us into wholeness and communion. And so if that's something in our heart that it still doesn't resonate with, I think we could all be very honest and sit before the Lord and say, Every single one of us has places where we know we need to grow in love, where we don't love like Jesus. Nobody could say an honesty. Oh, I love like Christ. And so if we could look at it that way, so the places where we know and places that we don't know where we need to grow in love, these are the places that you're saying so beautifully are held in bondage by our sin, by our things we believe about ourselves, by unhealed trauma, by suffering, by unforgiveness, um, by all the things in our life that um, the enemy comes just to squelch, right? And so the Lord is coming to set us free. And it's not just a nice thing we tell people to make them feel better. It's actually true. This is our faith. So sister, let's, um, let's, let's make this very concrete. Now there are a lot of, let's just, let's just take women. There are a lot of women listening and maybe they've been wounded by hard words, harsh words that were said to them, I guess Mm -hmm. men too. Right. But let's just say that they had this harshness spoken at them and they were related to in a harsh way where Mm -hmm. nothing was good enough that never could meet up to the expectations, or I always seem to fall fall short. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, I think there's a sense of saying, I just have to live with this, that Jesus in this Lent, what you're saying, sister, is that he can do something about that. He can, he can make me new. And, and how do I get there? How do I, what do I specifically do in, in, for instance, in prayer to allow the Lord to start, uh, peeling away the layers, start mm-hmm. removing the, the, the blockages, start, um, unbinding in a way that, I can, I can feel love 
And, and what is that? How does that happen? What do I do specifically? I want that. I want that communion. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that we, I, I lead you through in Lent, which is why I actually start with prayer is because prayer is the foundation for everything. And it's not just saying our prayers. There's a difference between a person who says their prayers versus a person who is of prayer. It's two very different things. And so just the first is just a gentle invitation into, you know, what's happening in your heart right now. Like what are, what are some of your pressing symptoms in your life right now? What are some things in your life that are not going well or things in your life you'd rather hide from the Lord? And what is he saying to you? What's motivating why you're doing what you're doing? Because every single one of us, nothing in our life is random or arbitrary. We're always doing things out of a reason. So let's take your example, which all of our hearts have been broken by harsh words. So usually what's happening is there's a, there's a present symptom that's pressing on that. And maybe you have somebody in your life who's speaking harshly to you, but it's that, that, temporary pain or the temporal pain in the present moment is being magnified by the experience of what happened in the past and also what we're believing about ourselves. Okay. So, so say for example, the woman who's been heart hurt by harsh words. So maybe her pressing symptom is her way of surviving is to just bite back. Her way of surviving is to fight back. Her way of surviving is to become hard of heart or her way of surviving is to become completely passive and to be completely just disassociated because it's just too painful. And so in those painful trauma responses, our beliefs that there's a tender part of her heart, our beliefs she has about herself. And, and it's something we'll sit together in this Lenten journey. But like, if I were sitting next to you and you brought this to me, I, I would ask you just in the presence of Jesus, like, what, what are you believing about yourself there? What are some things that you believe? Cause all of us have a theology of our head and you know, this very well, we can be, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old and have a, a, you know, advanced degrees in theology. And still at times, because all of us have a theology of the heart we still act like we're 12 or 15. And we say to ourselves, man, what's wrong with me? And the truth is there's nothing wrong with us. There's places of our hearts that hold beliefs that aren't true. And so asking Jesus to come into these places and to speak the truth to us, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is, helps open our hearts to what is true. And then from that truth, we can choose to respond differently. And our hearts are vulnerable. Jesus doesn't have self-defense mechanisms. He doesn't have um, coping mechanisms. He doesn't self-justify like we do. He's not trying to defend himself. I mean, he is teaching us how to be human. And that is a terrifyingly wonderful reality for our life. And that's what he's inviting us to. Amen. That's Sister Miriam James Hydland today with me sharing so beautifully, Sister, about um, experiencing healing in our relationship with God and and her guided uh, journal of Lenten meditations is called restore. Mm -hmm. And it, and it lays out a challenge for us, a shocking, but beautiful one that let this Lent be for you, a Lent of healing, a Lent where you permit the Lord to draw you out into a place where he can heal your heart. He can heal your relationship with him. He can heal your relationship with yourself. He can heal your relationship with others. And she does it through a beautiful set, a beautiful and simple plan an inspiring quote taken from a saint, the scriptures, the liturgy, uh, followed by a reflection that sister wrote, and then a chance to reflect. And I think, sister, that's a beautiful way that you come alongside us, is that after the reflection you give us, uh, after the reflection that you write, you give us a chance to then journal on it. Mm -hmm. And journaling can be such a powerful way that the Lord starts communicating and starts nudging us into the open to say, I want to unbind you. I want to yes. set you free. You know, sister, it was a way that um, I experienced lots of healing was not doing anything other than coming before an icon of John 11, the, the mm. raising of Lazarus and oh, Lazarus was, so he was out of the, out of the cave, out of the tomb, but he was still bound up. 
And I just would read John eleven forty four, unbind him and let him go free. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't, I didn't have to do anything, but allow the Lord to unbind me and set me free. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to say, fix this or fix this. It was what the Lord was going to bring up. And so mm-hmm. is that what, you know, is that the kind of thing that you're expecting is going to happen that the living Lord is going to use these reflections to begin to draw out what he knows we need the most healing in? Yeah, that's, that's certainly my hope. And I love that Lazarus, like there's so much in that. I'm sure, you know, you've meditated on it so deeply. There's so much in that. And yes, you know, in our life, it's easy for us to be kind of like consumers and we consume something and then we move on to the next thing, especially in the way technology has ordered our brains now. But what the journal invites you to do is to receive a message and just, just to sit with it. And then many times we don't know, like we have all kinds of thoughts inside of us. There's something very powerful about either speaking it out loud or writing it out of our writing it on a paper and it takes it out of ourselves. And many times, like we just heard in the gospel recently, that from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, it's often the fullness of the truth, the pen writes. And I've had written things and I look at what I wrote. I'm like, I did not know that I really thought that, or I did not know. And there's something about that. It gets it out in outside of kind of the ethereal world of your mind into writing and to be able to sit with that. And many times like, well, I don't have time for that. And, and I think that's just a convenient excuses because there's parts of our hearts that we don't want to face. And, and all of us have time for the things that are really important to us. And so it's really just an invitation Yes, to sit with the Lord in these places. And there's, you know, prayer, there's fasting, there's almsgiving. There's a whole week on forgiveness Mm -hmm. about what it means to truly forgive another person, what it means to receive forgiveness about what fasting is supposed to elicit in our hearts. Like, what do we do with our aches? What do we do with the things we feel like we can't live without? Like, what do we do when these things happen? And it's just so often these kind of abstract concepts that what what we're going to do this then is we're going to actually take them and bring them home and let Jesus transform us through them. Amen. In uh, sister is talking about her guided journal of meditations for this Lent. Again, today's Ash Wednesday. You can access it right now by going to AveMariaPress.com. AveMariaPress.com. You'll see it right there. It's called Restore. And when you see it, you'll be able to download a version of it, or you can order the paperback version, the paper version of it, which is only available right now through Ave Maria Press. You can order it on Amazon, but you won't get it right now. The quickest way to get it is through AveMariaPress.com. Sister, as we're talking about this, I think about um, the way in which we, um, we hurt each other. Carrie and I were talking about this literally earlier today. And she was like, how is it that we we know we don't of course ever want to hurt each other, but why do I say that? Why do I say that to my kids? Why do I say that to you? Why, why, why do you speak that way in a way that it's like, gosh, we don't want that. And, and I think that there's a lack of expectation among so many Catholics that something different can happen. And that if we, if we enter this Lent differently, if we're willing to take the risk, we'll watch the Lord come in a fresh new way. Mm-hmm. Would you speak to those Catholics listening right now who are feeling like the concept of healing is a foreign one. The mm-hmm. concept of the Lord um, changing me uh, out of patterns that are decades old is actually something that I can hope for. What would you say to those who are struggling with that concept? You know, I would just invite you to spend some time with the miracles that Jesus performs in the gospels. 
because he raises people from the dead. He multiplies loaves. He, these are not just stories. These are not parables. These are stories that he, you know, he, he cleanses a woman caught in adultery. Like he meets her where she's ashamed and he sets her free. He heals a hemorrhaging woman. He reconciles Peter after he denies him. And so I think like, I love what you said very beautifully, Tom, about you and your wife is because all of us have patterns of relating. And usually those patterns of relating are mostly subconscious and they are driven by the deep pains in our hearts where we believe things about ourselves. Because if I feel like I'm constantly under attack, or if I feel like you're telling me I'm undesirable, I'm not a good mom, I, you know, and, and no, usually nobody means that, but it's like, if, if this, this is what's hitting my heart, or um, we're saying words to each other to hurt each other, part of, I have a beautiful quote in there from St. Ambrose and St. Ambrose says, you know, we will never heal ourselves by wounding another. And so often that's what we want to do. Our hearts are hurting so deeply. We want to literally wound somebody else. So they actually feel what we feel because there's been an injustice and what is happening there. And it's not, it's not just an idea of, I'm just going to be nicer, That that doesn't work. It's we, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, there's deep places in our heart where we have certain beliefs, where we have unhealed pain in our life, where we have areas of unforgiveness, where we have areas of, of just deep sorrow that are like these riverbeds that undergird everything. And they, they power how we respond in our life. And what Jesus is teaching us, he's teaching us, like I said, how to be human, that he's the same person in every situation. And I just, I say this a lot and I truly mean it. I, you know what, Tom, like I'm on a journey. I've been on a journey for healing of 17 years. And I mean, we're talking like sobriety, recovery, healing from sexual trauma, uh, depression, like you name it. And it's like a continual journey for me. Like I take this journey very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, I really mean what I say, like, I want to love, I want to be that free to love. Like, I want to be so free in my heart that my heart is vulnerable that I can be pierced, but I can be pierced and respond in love. Like I can respond in truth. I can respond in in kindness. I can respond. I I just, so we're not continually bound by our, our trauma responses and our self-defense mechanisms, because if nobody wants to live like that, none of us do. And yet we do that over and over again, because there's these places that have yet to be encountered by the Lord. And, And there's a saying that is in the book that suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. And that's what we do. Like we just, it doesn't just go away. My friends, like anything that in our life that has not been transformed just is transmitted onto everybody else around us. You know, sister Marion, what you just shared with me, just shared right there, that powerful line, what's not transformed is transmitted. I think connects in, in a really important way that we ought to pay attention to the relationship between communion and mission Mm. that our identity, which is found in our communion with God, is going to overflow in the fulfilling of our purpose, in, in mm-hmm. fulfilling our mission. And I think that if we paid more attention to that, I think that would help us to say, especially now I'm talking to guys, guys are not that interested in going out and dancing in the fields with the Lord and experiencing healing, right? They're sure. like, they want to go conquer the mountain. They want to go mm-hmm. do the mission. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've found for men is to say, Do you want to be more effective in your mission as a husband and father who leads and provides and protects his family? Yes, I do. Of course I do. Okay, then go get healed. Go Mm -hmm. focus on your relationship with the Lord. Grow in communion with him. Go be in adoration and allow the Lord to unveil things to you that you don't don't have a clue about. And you know what that'll do? It'll make you a better father. Mm -hmm. So just uh, talk a little bit about that, that relationship between going deeper into our communion with the Lord, with ourselves and with others, and the way that'll lead to a deeper sense of fulfillment of our God-given mission and purpose. Mm-hmm. 
That's great that you said that. And that's exactly how it works, Tom, for both men and women. Like this is not just a journey for women. It's a journey for every human person, both male and female. And that is true because if it's the, if it's the deepest desire of the human person to give an authentic gift to themselves, like John Paul II says, like that's the highest desire of the person is to, to be self gift. And for you as a man, you want to, like you said, you want to be able to do that. You want to protect and to provide and to guard and to guide. You want to bless beauty. You want to be able to behold beauty. You want to have your strength be a safe place for life to flourish. And, and you want to be, you know, potent and virile and, and efficacious and, and how you give the gift of yourself. And, and, you know, what, what prevents say, for example, let's talk about men for a second, like, like what prevents you from being able to give the gift of yourself as a man? What are the places where that primordial wound of every, that every man has that, you know, I'm inadequate. How does that manifest? Like, what is, what, what are we doing to compensate for that? Where are the places where our hearts have been crushed? Where are the places where we believe lies about ourselves? Where are the places where we're grasping at things to fill? Do you like read my journal? Did you kind of like steal my journal and start reading it? <laughs> That's not fair. It's not He's fair like, what you've done there. How did that? <laughs> I do you like, are you a hacker? You must be a hacker. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to sister Marion James Harland. I'm going to cut her off because she's hitting way too close to home there <laughs> today on sound insight and talking about her, uh, her new book, a guided uh, daily Lenten reflections called restore mm-hmm. and uh, sister, I'm teasing you, but no, um, what you, what you speak the truth and it's the truth that's going to set men and women free. And, and I think yeah. in very powerful ways, um, I want to just focus for a moment and I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to let you cut me off in terms of saying, Hey, I've got a few more minutes here. Sure, and sure. then, um, so to be respectful, uh, but, um, I, I'm loving the conversation. Um, so it's Ash Wednesday and, and folks are making some resolutions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I bring out is that, um, you get one chance to live Lent in 2022, mm-hmm. one chance. And, and I say for all eternity, the Lord has looked down upon Lent of 2022, and he has held something in reserve for this moment, for this Lent. And so open yourself to the Lent that the Lord has in store for you. Okay, so there's my dramatic raising up of there's something uniquely at stake in this Lent. Let me ask you, as you were writing this book, as you were preparing these daily Lenten reflections in your journal Restore, was there a, a theme or themes that you felt like were like just now in this moment themes that were the most pressing on the heart of the Lord to bring out into the open in your reflections? Was there some area that was like, you know what, this, this is something that the Lord is doing right now that I really want to make sure gets brought out into the open in this journal mm-hmm. restore. Mm-hmm. Well, everything that you just shared is true that we only get one chance to live Lent of 2022. And I have almost been saying the same thing verbatim in some of my parish missions that the Lord has graces for you this Lent that he didn't have last Lent. Mm -hmm. And that won't be for next Lent. Like the Lord has something right now in the fullness of this time that is just for you and I. And I would invite everyone to ask Jesus so that we're not making, I I don't know if you do this. Like I did this for a long time. I would just be like, okay, I'm going to give up this, this, and this. And I kind of, I never asked Jesus. I never asked Jesus, Jesus, what are you inviting me to surrender this Lent so I can be closer to you? Like I never even, I just was like, here's what I'm going to do. So I think, first of all, asking Jesus, Jesus, what are you inviting me to? And what's going to help lead me to healing and prayer fasting and almsgiving? Not just, we're not doing stuff just to do it, but what's actually going to lead me into deeper places of healing and freedom in my life. And I, I think 
you know what, Tom, I just like, there's never, there's never been a time in the church where we could kind of gloss over certain things or kind of live a shallow and superficial life. Like there's never been a time that's been appropriate, but more so even now, like, you know, Pope Francis in his letter for Lent this year talked about Kairos, like the present moment, the fullness of time of this, this is the time, this is the time to do good. And I think for me and my heart is the Lord's inviting us to be very honest. And the Lord's inviting us to make a real journey that this is not a game to him. This is not, he's not playing games with us like this. He's inviting us to a real relationship with a living God and he wants to transform us. And he's gently and pleading with us, would we allow him to do so? And that choice is up to us. But one of the reasons why the reflections in the book are so honest, it's because I just want to invite you to some areas of deep honesty that maybe we don't have the safety or the time to, to delve into, but that as we do, this will become our real life with the Lord. This is our real life. This is our faith. Like this is the truth of, of who Christ is and who we are. And it's stunningly beautiful. And I think when we get a taste of it, we say like, how could I live any other way? How could I live any other way? So that's, that would say that's my heart there. That's beautiful. That's Sister Miriam James Heidland talking with us today about her new book called Restore. It's a daily Lenten journal. It's Ash Wednesday, folks. It's a it's the beginning of Lent. You can access a digital version of it, daily reflections, a short reflection by sister, along with an opportunity for you to reflect on it and journal about it um, as a way of making your journey with the Lord out into the desert. Sister. Um, one of the things that you mention and, and emphasize is that it's the Holy Spirit that pushed Jesus into the desert. Mm-hmm. He was the one who drove Jesus out into the desert. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, to, to really speak to that point, when you say it's not about us coming up with our ideas for mm-hmm. professing and almsgiving and then bringing them to Jesus, but trusting that the Lord who takes initiative in all things, actually his Holy Spirit's at work in you mm-hmm. to prompt you into the desert with your name on it. Would you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's beautiful because it means it's not up to us to figure it out. So Jesus is not saying, go out into the desert and fix yourself and figure it out. And when you're lovable enough, we'll all get back to you. Like people maybe in our life have loved us like that. Jesus does not love us like that. He is leading us into the desert. He goes before us. So there's nothing that we're going to suffer or we're going to face that he hasn't faced or that he doesn't know already that he's not there with us. And so he's leading us in. So he's really us in communion and relationship. So that's the very, the journey is beginning in relationship of him leading us into these places so that we can encounter them with him. And I, I was just sure as I've been sharing recently, I was on a masterclass last year with a lot of people in the, in the area of healing of trauma, some of these like world renowned trauma therapists all over the world. I was just a student in this class and it was amazing. And it was not a Christian class by any means, but it was about neuroscience. It was about the cutting edge therapy for trauma, the healing of trauma. And the woman facilitating the conference asked each of the therapists, like, what, what, what is ultimately the cure for trauma? What is the cure for suffering? And I tell you, Tom, every single one of them said the same thing. The healing for trauma is communion. The healing of trauma is for, is communion. And so one of the things that, that hurts us so deeply in our life are the places we have suffered. And then the compounding lie is that I'm all alone. I'm all alone here and nobody cares about me. And it's up to me. I have to figure it out. And so even from the very beginning, Jesus leads us. He, he confirms us in our identity as beloved sons and daughters. And then he leads us into the desert to make our hearts open and to bring everything to the surface so he can bring all of it into communion and to heal and to keep us close to him. So well, just let's talk about journey. that. I yeah. want to talk about that because I think that when, when we think about where we hurt each other, 
in, 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 in family relationships, um, we, we end up saying, well, let me go to confession and I'll repent of it and I'll become mm-hmm. forgiven of it. And now I'll be restored in my relationship to God and, and restored in my relationship. But then I do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where restore is so important mm-hmm. is that you're inviting folks to say, okay, yeah, when you've sinned, repent, but wait a minute, it's the root hasn't been up, hasn't been pulled exactly. out yet. Yep. And so talk a bit about the way in which healing is going to complement mm-hmm. something like repenting and confessing and actually bring a resolution that mm-hmm. uh, you won't just simply get by simply repeating the act of, con- mm-hmm. of repenting. Mm-hmm. No, then that's exactly how it works. And most of us are looking at the, say the top of our tree and we're looking at all the fruit at the top, right? Our tree is known by its fruit and we see some kind of bad fruit up there. So we take the bad fruit to confession and we have to, okay. But until we get to the roots with the Lord of why we're doing what we're doing, the same behavior will continue to manifest. And that's why we said like, things are not random. They're not arbitrary. And sometimes we're like, well, if you would stop doing that, I would stop doing this. Actually, that's not true. There there are things that are happening in our heart and whether whatever it is, all of us have disordered desires. All of us have areas where our roots are wounded. Our roots are fractured. our Our roots are crushed and they're bearing fruit that's destructive. And so it's easier in a sense just to say, okay, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to manage that. I'm going to be nice. And none of that works. We have to go with the Lord into the place, into the valley of the shadow of death with the Lord to allow him to uncover what is driving that, what, what's, what happened there? Why am I choosing of all the responses in the world? I could rechoose. Why am I choosing that one? Cause there's a good reason why we're not crazy. It's not because we're awful human beings. It's because our hearts have been crushed. We've come into agreement and we have a pattern of sin in our life. And so the Lord wants to come. This is why the Lord is always very interested in what happens to our hearts. He is always very interested in what happens in our hearts. It's it's so he will always go to the heart if we allow him to. And that's why it's the most courageous journey that we're ever going to make. Like you can climb Mount Everest and that's a wonderful accomplishment, but the most courageous journey you will ever make, not just once, but every day in your heart is to go into your heart with the Lord. Cause that's where healing takes place. You know, sister, again, I'm talking to sister Miriam James Highland, and I encourage you to go to AveMariaPress.com, AveMariaPress.com and, and look up her guided Lenten meditation journal called Restore, Restore. You can download a digital version today. You can order a, a, a hardback cover, a paper copy, sorry, today uh, by going to avimariapress.com. Uh, I don't know if you ever bumped into the book, Spirituality and the Gentle Life by Adrian mm. von Kahn. So Mm-mm. sister, I'm older than you. Sorry, this is before your time. <laughs> just a few just a few years. I don't think you're that yeah, much older. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Spirituality and the Gentle Life, and, and he in there, he talks about the fact that we're so harsh on others because we're harsh on ourselves. Yep. And, and he goes into the reality that the Lord wants to come in and, and love us into a place where we can affirm and celebrate ourselves in him because we're loved by him, you know, loved as I am. Maybe that's a theme you've heard before, hmm, sister. It's yeah. a book sister wrote, by the way, mm-hmm. loved as I am also Ave Maria press and, um, and sister, uh, just that idea of, experiencing a gentle life. How are we going to be gentle with others until we can learn to be gentle with ourselves because the good shepherd is gentle with us. That is, that is so true. And none of us, none of us are ever shamed or criticized into a conversion. Not a single one. Wow. That's a powerful statement. Wow. Yeah. And let's be all honest. We've all done that to other people and we've all had it done to us and it never works. And we are loved into a conversion. 
and that's, we, we're loved to a conversion every day. And I, I speak a lot about the kindness of Jesus and the tenderness of Jesus. It's not the niceness, like kindness is a fruit of the Holy spirit. It's a virtue. It is tender strength. And so you'll notice throughout the gospels, Jesus never shames a sinner. He tells them the truth because the truth is healing but he never shames them. And so, so often in our life, like the little places that we're talking about, these very tender places, we hate those places in our heart and we shame those places in our heart. And so what we do is literally from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, we just transmit onto everybody else, the shame that we have in our hearts. And so as we allow Jesus to come and encounter us in our vulnerable places and the places that we hate ourselves, so he can tell us the truth of who we are, because Jesus doesn't hate a single part of us. I love, there's a quote from St. Julian of Norwich. And she says, when God sees our sin, he sees our pain. So he's always ministering to us in the depths because he understands us and he's bringing us to deeper understanding and deeper wholeness in that area. But Jesus does not ever, he doesn't ever shame us. He doesn't criticize us either. And so that's true. The gentleness, I think somebody who's truly gentle, who can be tender and strong is a truly wise and mature person because they understand the power of healing and they understand the power of truth and they understand the power of love. And that's how Christ is. He's fully strong and fully tender. All right. So last question, sister, uh, and I'm just taking advantage of your generosity. <laughs> I was so, like, I do have to go in like two minutes. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's your last. So you have to be okay. wise in less than two minutes. Then um, a lot of folks are listening. Like I'm all in sister, but yeah. the loved one that the one that I love that I'm with spouse or children, grandchildren, they're not there and they continue to wound and um, they're acting out of their woundedness. How to, uh, how do I love them well and invite them to a place where they can be restored? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know what, honestly, the best gift, and I say this all the time, the best gift you can give to your spouse, to your coworkers, to your children, to your grandchildren, the best gift is you can let Jesus come and heal you every day that, because as we allow that to happen, then we see more of the truth. And then we're able to speak the truth in love, but we will never be able to manage other people outside here. We won't be able to do that ever until, unless we have like this deep place of communion with the Lord ourselves. And so what that does is it allows us to respond like Christ does because Christ also encountered people like that in the brokenness of their heart, but he responds to them so differently than we do. And so for us to allow Jesus to come and heal us, the book by Dr. Bob shoots is the number one book I recommend on healing across the country. It's called be healed. And it's, it's, it's a much longer book than restore. And just to take that understanding like the roots of our sin, the roots of our wounds, um, allowing Jesus to come into those places is going to be really helpful for us. But we have to, we have got to allow Jesus to come and bring us into wholeness and communion every single day. That is the best gift we can give anybody in our entire life and ourselves included. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. That's sister Miriam James Heidland. Let Jesus come and I'm going to be gracious and let her go. So sister, <laughs> thank you so much for being generous and sharing your time. We miss you out here. We want you thank to come you. back, come back <laughs> when you can. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we just uh, thank God for the gift of restore. I know we're going to enjoy it in our home and I hope many others will as well. There's more to say about it. I'll say it after sister Miriam goes about the video excerpts and other things that are part of this program as well. Sister Miriam, thank you so much for your time today on Sound Insight. Oh, God bless you so much. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys at Lent. Well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. Isn't that powerful? It was in a, it was beautiful. It, it, it granted a, uh, it provided Sister Miriam uh, in Restore, and just in that interview, provided a way to take a look at Lent that I think is, frankly, just very different than what we would normally expect and um, uh, typically relate to Lent. You, you don't normally think about Lent through the lens of love. 
and healing love and this delightful invitation to follow the Lord, be prompted to follow the Lord into a place where you're stripping down things that would normally get in the way, but get in the way not of, okay, I'm now going to undertake these rigorous ascetical practices so much, but rather I'm going to be led into a place of love where the Lord is going to minister to me in a mode of healing, in a mode to unbind and set free. Um, it's interesting, uh, just a couple of quick stories. The first is when I was in the seminary, one of the things that we were taught to do was homiletics. How do you prepare a homily? How do you deliver a homily? Communication theory stuff, um, delivery uh, things. And then there was the practicum where you were expected to write a homily and uh, and deliver it. And the passage that I was given to write about was Ash Wednesday. So I was asked to write an Ash Wednesday homily. And I still remember, I still remember what I did. I actually took a concept from um, my older brother, George, who had gone on NET, the National Evangelization Teams, after he graduated from college, he did that for two years and traveled around the country giving uh, retreats, typically to high school kids, sometimes to like the junior high kids as well, but mostly it was high school kids. And um, he came to our home parish in Massachusetts. And I remember watching this presentation, or maybe I just saw the, the video of it, but in it, um, they had uh they had different characters and these characters would um have a like a piece of paper that they were holding with their hand that was like cut it was a cutout like in the shape of a like a uh, like a round like kind of like a melon shape but it covered the face and they were basically cutouts for the eyes and the mouth and basically they would put down that piece of paper over their face kind of in front of their face and they would speak a message that said, oh, yeah, I'm doing great, and I love the Lord, and everything's fine with me. I hope you're doing great. And then they would take down the piece of paper, and they would look at the crowd, and it like the mask is off now, right? The mask is off. And it was, I hate myself. I hate the things that I, I've done and the things that I think about. And I if these people really knew who I was and things that I had done and the way that I, I think, they would reject me in a minute. Uh, and then you go to the second person and you know it might be a, a young lady and, and she has, a, again, the mask on. And, and oh yeah, you know, and uh, I had a great time here, giggle, giggle, and did this and that. And then the mask goes down and it's, I hate the way I look. I think they're looking funny at me. Do they really accept me? Do I really feel like I belong here? And, and 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 you get the idea, right? I think there were like three of those. And so I did that. I actually had like a a, a cutout piece of paper and and the homily that I put together uh, focused on this idea that we have these masks, and these masks are really hiding something going on on the inside that 
is painful or dark or broken. It's expressing a, a wound, you know, some some form of hurt in their lives. And um, uh, how the Lord wants to have us, I, I think the end of the homily is kind of a dramatic, you crumple up the, the piece of paper and you throw it away. And the idea is that the Lord, he sees beyond the masks, he sees through the masks, he sees us as we are, who we really are, and he wants us to go beyond those places of pain and hurt and wound. And, you know, it's funny, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, that I hadn't thought of that episode in years, I, I think. Um, it, but be that as it may, it it came back to mind. It's funny that I, it was actually a talk on Ash Wednesday, about Ash Wednesday. It was a homily about it. And I remember <laughs> the comment of the uh, faculty member, the priest, who was um, who was offering a critique, and you know he was very aff- affirming of you know the delivery and the content and the the power of the message and all of these sorts of things. And then he said, "What does this have to do with Ash Wednesday?" <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. What does that have to do with Ash Wednesday? Well, and Sister Miriam James is proposing a a different path for Lent. Uh, so that was the first one. The second one is the the scripture in John 11. I referenced it in the interview itself with Sister Miriam, and and she just you know she lit up. I, I did this interview uh, over Zoom, so we were able to to look at each other and just sort of gauge reactions and all of that. And she was so excited. Like, oh, yeah, there's so much richness there in John 11. And it was like she had to go off to another interview, but she was like ready to go. Like, let's keep talking about this. And that theme of unbind him and let him go free. I want to bring this up again. And you've, if you've listened to Sound Insight for a long time, you, you'll, you may remember that I do reference John 11 because that time, those times in prayer where I trusted and followed the Lord in prayer, into this prayer practice of gazing silently upon the icon of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And again, the the tomb is rolled away. You see um, Martha and Mary. Uh, I think Martha's like, you know, kind of prostrate at the feet of Jesus and Mary is there. And there are these angels that are unwrapping Lazarus because remember he comes out of the tomb, but he's still bound hand and foot and unbind him and let him go free. It's not one big ace bandage. It's a bunch of individual bandages that are, that are wrapped cloth pieces that are wrapped that are binding him up. And it's one at a time that you have to untie that knot and then, uh, and then unwind it around the body. And that, um, that prayer practice changed my life. Well, put it this way. Let me say it more precisely. The Lord changed my life through that prayer practice, which involved sort of silent meditation, like gazing upon the icon. It was done in a context that I remember. I was just I did I did this prayer in my room. I had the icon in my room, and I would listen to 
uh, it was on cassette that shows you how old it was. Uh, I had made a cassette copy of uh, a Teze chant, Ubi Karit, not was it was um, uh, Aduramus Te Domine, we adore you, O Lord. Whoa, Aduramus Te Domine, and I and I found it years later on YouTube. I love it, and I put it on, and it evokes those memories. But I would just have that playing in the background as I gazed. I would read the scripture of John 11. I would get to that, unbind him and let him go free. And then I would just sit quietly and just allow the Lord to work. Allow the word Lord to work. Give the Lord space to work. Give the Lord permission to come in. I, I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what he was unbinding in me. I didn't know the ways that I was bound up. I didn't realize the, the, the dimensions of freedom that were lacking until the Lord began to free me up. And I know this, that one of the, I don't know if it was the deepest dimensions of healing that I experienced in that position of being receptive was the capacity to be loved the capacity to be to receive love i think that i had been brought up in a circumstance that emphasized very greatly that it was through performance through performing with excellence through being responsible and accountable to uh, to perform in accord with what was expected and to be even superior in in and surpassing in performance that there was um, praise lavished upon someone and there was definitely the critique that would come the harsh uh, the harsh words or the punishments that would come when there was a failure to perform like in school or in other ways and um there was a deep healing that happened to me in my life because the way that I was, you know, related to by my parents influenced how I saw God, that God expected me to perform and his love was connected to that. That was a profound healing. Now maybe that that's relevant to you in your life and maybe you're willing to take the risk to believe that the Lord has a healing in that area for your life. Whatever it is, be open to it. Unbind me and let me go free. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.